the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simkins, along with the right Reverend Brian Fromm. You can find us all over the World Wide Web on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. Also uh, on Twitter at Common Good Talk and wherever it is you get your podcast. And I say this all the time, but... Still a new show, so any of those shares or likes of subscriptions do somehow mystically and magically help us, and I have no idea how or why, but I know that it's true. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but Brian and I say this all the time. Uh, we love just talking about topics and stuff that we're grappling with, but I think my favorite part of the entire show is having guests, particularly mm-hmm. in-studio guests, and uh, I am so thrilled. We haven't really mapped out where this conversation is going to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is super dangerous <laughs> with someone like Eric Metcalf. Eric, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here today with you guys. Mm-hmm. So for people that don't know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself? And you can go in as much or as little detail as you want. You can be that's scary as professional <laughs> or personal as you want. That's what I'm talking about. I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, okay. All right. My name is Eric, and uh, I'm from a small town called Xenia, Illinois, mm-hmm. down in southern Illinois. Uh, I sometimes will jokingly say that when God was planning for me to be born and brought here to this earth, he was pointing to a large city, and he was ready to send me there, and he sneezed. <laughs> and I ended up in uh, Redneck, USA, Xenia, <laughs> Illinois. A couple hundred people lived down there. I lived there about 20 years of my life. Um, I oftentimes will say, too, that I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, I'm not used to that, and hmm. part of my spiritual journey I was not experiencing the local church Mm. until I was in my teens. And uh, sorry, Mom, no offense, but it wasn't really a Christian home. And uh, so I was there, and my brother was dating a gal, and uh, she said, hey, if you want to keep making out, uh, you got to come to church with me. (laughs) That's my version of the story. Uh, And uh, he ended up going to church. He became a Christ follower, invited our family, and that's where I found my way back to God was in that local church uh, called First Christian Church down in Flora, Illinois. Wow. And uh, that church had an internship program, a scholarship tuition program set up for university seminary. found my way into ministry, doing small group ministry and leadership development, did an internship at Community Christian Church, got connected to community, been on staff at Community with Dave and John Ferguson for uh, 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. Did you just get the gift card for the 20 years, by the way? Did we? I, I did. Got a, got a nice plastic Rolex. It's been awesome. The gift card. I wear it every day. I sleep with it at night. Obviously. <laughs> it's a good look for you. Well, off air, you were telling us that right now you're doing a lot of global stuff through New Thing, and I'm fascinated by what even some of the stories you told us in the one or two minutes. So tell us a little bit what you're doing with them and just kind of this paint a picture for what's going on globally, even for those of us who are kind of, oh, we can't really see past Chicago, right? So what's going on around the world. Yeah, New Thing is our church planting network. Uh, It's just just over 10 years old, and really it's our effort at Community Christian Church, if we could, to catalyze movements of reproducing churches, Mm -hmm. not just here in Chicagoland, but all over the world. And God has been gracious and done way more than we could ever ask or imagine in terms of uh, reaching people and building relationships. Um, In fact, just now in 2019, in this year alone, 
Uh, we recently were able to celebrate that we've planted over 855 new churches in 2019. Wow. Um, and a lot of this is happening uh, through the partnership of local churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to say oftentimes that New Thing doesn't plant churches. Churches plant churches. Mm. And so we come alongside of pastors. We come alongside of teams. Uh, and we work with them all over the world. In fact, right now we're working in now uh, 44 different countries. Um, and it's just very exciting stuff, and I get yeah. the opportunity to be a part of that. So what, what's the grand total globally of churches that are a part of New Thing? Just to create a frame of reference for people, what's a ballpark? Yeah, I mean, we have just about 3,000 churches that are part of New Thing right now wow. that are working together to plant churches together. Mm-hmm. Um, and we oftentimes refer to those churches simply as reproducing churches. Yeah, uh, These are churches that work um, collaboratively to plant churches together. And so we organize these churches into networks, a network, think of it as like a small group yeah. for pastors. And that. these pastors, they come together to hold each other accountable uh, to plant new churches over that coming year. That's and amazing. We, we do this all over the world with these churches. Well, and I see this too because, you know, we're real life friends, but you're traveling all the time. And I imagine like what you're seeing when you're actually doing boots on the ground ministry in various different places in the globe is like, oh man, there's a lot that the American church does differently or maybe doesn't see at all. Or like, what are some of the things that when you go on these trips that you come back and serving in a local Western church, you think, man, we could really, we could really stand to grow in this area. I wish we understood this a little bit better. What are some of the things you tend to bring back with you? Yeah. I mean, I guess I come at this conversation with a little bit of caution just because I don't Mm -hmm. want to sound preachy or um, even too angsty and prophetic towards it all. But I will say that for sure, what seems to be a barrier for us here in the West um, is education and financial resources. Hmm. You would think those could be assets and they Mm -hmm. can be, Mm -hmm. um, but they can also be significant barriers to Mm. multiplication um, and significant movement for the local church. Um, Because in other parts of the world where they don't have the same levels of education, the same amount of financial resources, they generally don't see those as barriers to multiplication. Hmm. But if you sit down with a pastor here in the States, oftentimes that's the starting point. Right. Yeah, I don't right. have the people. I don't have the money. Yeah. Wow. And rarely do we ever hear that outside the United States, specifically mm-hmm. in under-resourced countries. No kidding. Or in countries that are under-evangelized. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. It strikes me, I, I think, being in the church world, we know what it means. But there might be people out there listening like, what do you mean by multiplication? What, what does even multiplication yeah. within churches look like? Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, for us, it could be multiplying at the macro level or mm-hmm. it could be multiplying at the micro level. So when it comes to multiplication at the micro level, it would be looking at ourselves as leaders within the local church uh, and how do we multiply ourselves through apprenticeship. Mm. And so having someone that would come alongside you as you follow Jesus, asking them to be developed and to grow into a spiritual leader within the local church. Um, and through that apprenticeship, you multiply your leadership, either a small group or you multiply a team. So that would be the micro level. Mm. Uh, at the macro level, it's really like every pastor imagining themselves the privilege and the opportunity of multiplying themselves in the role that they play. Hmm. So if you're a pastor in a church, why not set a goal for yourself that every year you would apprentice somebody right. as a pastor that would then go out and start a new church? Hmm. And imagine the kind of movement that we could all start together yeah. if we had that kind of simple discipline of apprenticeship and macro multiplication um, at the pastor level. Yeah. So why do, you, why do you think that's so rare? Because we've talked about this on the show before. Patrick's been on the show before. Okay. I didn't grow yeah. up in a church planning church at all. And I think when I started a community, when they told me, hey, we're really um, passionate about church planning, and I thought, oh, that's adorable. We have a garden. Church <laughs> planting is a great idea. And they're like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, that's very true. I don't understand. Like, what do you think are some of the barriers to even that line of thinking? Because what you just said in 30 seconds I would think every pastor would be like, yes, of course. Why aren't we doing that? But it's obviously not always that easy. 
It kind of depends upon who you read, but the short version, short answer to that would be APEST. Mm. Um, so you, you have Alan Hirsch, who's written 5Q, and many others have written on the subject matter of the fivefold ministry, mm-hmm. where you have the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Yeah. Paul talks about in Ephesians. And, you know, in terms of North America, specifically in the United States, uh, we've had a, a dominant voice for a long time, which is mm-hmm. the shepherd, teacher. Um, and in the recent years, it's been the evangelist, which is where we see the church growth movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and now... We're starting to hear like a louder voice of the the apostolic, mm. um, the prophetic. It's really allowing for us to push to the edges as a church, right. push outside the walls to think not just in terms of church growth, not just in terms of good teaching and good pastoral care, but also in terms of multiplication and the and reaching the injustices that are in our neighborhoods mm. to help reconcile the differences that we see in our communities. That's a great answer, man. And I think people listening are going to understand why we wanted to have you stick around for multiple <laughs> segments. So you are not going to miss the rest of this conversation with Eric Metcalf, who is a church planner, a leader, mm-hmm. a developer, a lover of flat brim hats. And <laughs> all true. All, all true. <laughs> You're going to need to take our word for it that's, on the radio, that's right? That's true. Yeah, radio great for those types of visual cues. That conversation and more is coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We missed you. Uh, it's the Common Good Radio Show with Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. You can find us on Facebook, the Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash the common good or wherever it is you get your podcast. I find more and more people listen to us at twice the speed, which subtly implies I just have to get through the show as fast as possible, which <laughs> I'll take. Yeah. I mean, I'm you're getting through. I'm, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm enough of a words of affirmation guy that even that still feels like encouragement. But. We have in the flesh, in the studio, incarnate, if you may, which I, I, I may, uh, Eric Metcalf, <laughs> whose, whose resume is so interesting to me. So you've been a part of community for 20 years, and you've held Two zero. a number of different yeah. positions during that time. Like You have this very interesting trajectory to me because you just have, one, I think a lot of passions, and two, a lot of skills. And I want to go back to the kind of the beginning of your partnership with community. What was that like? And you were involved in writing stuff and leading small groups, which eventually led to you being in Lincoln Park, which we'll get to in a second. But what, what was that like back in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, early on when I came to community, um, I mean, really, I was a little like kind of starstruck by the impact that community was making. Right. Um, and Dave and John Ferguson and their leadership and really grateful uh, to be a part of something so exciting. Um, the, the church at the time was, I won't get these stats exactly right, but it was running like a thousand or something like that. It was hmm. two locations. It had been multi-site for one year, mm. and I'd never even seen something like that or been around anything like that. And so it was super interesting to me when right. I first came here. And when I came, I was an intern, and I did an uh, internship in small group ministry. And I ended up graduating with a small groups degree, which was pretty unusual, I found out later on. <laughs> um, I yes. didn't know it was unusual. I was like, okay, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing small groups. Hey. So I did this internship uh, with John Ferguson, and we worked together. Uh, and I, I learned a lot from those guys and just had a lot of fun the first several years for sure. Mm. Because as we went multi-site, uh, we had the opportunity to speak into other churches that were considering multi-site. Right. We developed a strong relationship with Leadership Network and began to work with them to coach other churches to do that. And somehow I just got a front row seat to a lot of that because mm-hmm. I was just part of the mix mm-hmm. um, as a young leader trying to figure things out. My wife and I had only been married for a year, and wow. uh, we were just diving right into ministry. And what's great about community and what I love about our culture at communities is that we're very empowering about young leaders specifically, but mm-hmm. leaders in general. Um, and the apprenticeship path that I was on just gave me lots of places to kind of sink my teeth into and jump in with ministry. So yeah. it's great. 
Totally. Yeah, and then you said uh, eventually you ended up helping start Lincoln Park Campus. Uh, I think I got that right. What was that journey like and then being on the front lines? And you were telling us a little bit like what your strategy was to get that church off the ground. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, so about eight years ago, nine years ago, I was directing our New Thing Network full-time as the director. And I found myself kind of like getting a little like I needed to get back into the local church. I'm missing being on the front line, working Hmm. with leaders, uh, helping people find their way back to God. I miss the mission. And so... Uh, for us, we just decided, let, what would that look like in this next season? Hmm. Um, and I can remember, you know, specifically as a family, we would sit together and pray together and ask God, what would it look like for us to be on mission together in this next season? Hmm. Um, and it became very obvious that he was leading us to the city. And so uh, my wife and our three kids, uh, we sold our house. We got rid of half our possessions and we relocated from the suburbs to the city wow. uh, to launch a location of community uh, in Lincoln Park. And uh, you got that right. I did. Uh, at Lincoln Park. <laughs> and uh, we went down there and, you know, God just did more than we could ever ask or imagine. Again, like we we're just surprised by how he showed up uh, with people jumping on board and jumping in with the vision and mission. Huh. Um, and one of the core practices that community has, uh, we call our blessed strategy. Mm. Uh, and BLESS stands for like all alliterations. <laughs> it stands for something awesome because that's what pastors do. Uh, it stands for begin with prayer, listen, eat. Uh, serve, and then story. And mm-hmm. so when we planted this location of community, uh, we took those blessed practices and applied them not just at the micro level, because when every Christ follower would be about the blessed practices, but we used this at the macro level to mm-hmm. launch this location of community as we led uh, the launch team through this process of beginning with prayer, walking the neighborhood, listening to the needs of the community around us in that yeah. process, uh, sharing meals with people, building relationships. Uh, serving them as we saw the needs that emerged. Yeah. And when the time was right, we told them our story and what we were up to and why we're starting this new church and what, and what we're hoping to accomplish. So if I'm doing the math correctly, then when you made this move from the suburbs into the city, your youngest was like five. Yeah. What was, what was that like moving into the city with this dream, this passion, but also like I have like young kids. So yeah. the selling hat, like I just looked around my house yesterday and I'm like, I have more plastic, shiny, noise making <laughs> toys than I ever imagined I would. What was that like in sort of framing and preparing you and your family to actually do that? Well, it wasn't easy, and it took a long time. Really? I mean, if you talk to my wife about it, it took me about 10 years to wear her down and finally convince me <laughs> to move into the city. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that, she had a, a very clear hearing from God hmm. uh, that really shifted her head and heart that we needed to do this as a family. Wow. Um, and that was a really powerful moment to get to experience with her. Yeah. Um, but then in, in addition to that, for about a year, we sat and prayed together as a family hmm. to help our kids understand that, you know, the Metcalf family, we're a family that's on mission. Yeah, and we're going to do whatever it takes to help people find the way back to God. And then this season, wow. we're looking to hear from him on what that would, what that might look like. Yeah. That's and so, and I can remember taking them downtown. We'd take them to places like, you know, Lincoln Park Zoo. <laughs> yes, and, yeah. This know, is where we're going to live. in downtown Chicago. I'd be like, this is where we're going to live. And so, you know, we kind of the best li- dad ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dad. And they love the Cubs. And so it was kind of an yeah. easy win for them too, from that standpoint. Um, but no doubt there's nothing that we regret in terms of the stuff that we got rid of, hmm. uh, the things that we sacrificed. Um, in order to be on, on mission, it was a huge win for us. I family. love that, man. How did you and your family know that season was over then? And what was that process? How hard was that um, when that kind of closed for you? Yeah, I mean, we handed over the location July of this uh, this last summer in right. 2019. Right. Um, and honestly, like it still feels fresh. Mm-hmm. Like that was not an easy decision for us. Um, we loved the people that we served with. Uh, we loved our team. Uh, we loved the individuals that God allowed for us to reach. Uh, it was one of the most difficult things that mm. we've ever done. Um, and we like to 
think of ourselves as the kind of family that takes lots of risks and does everything we can to invest in the mission. Um, and during that season, it was just incredibly challenging because yeah. we we ended up reaching a lot of young professionals, um, people who are that were single in their twenties and thirties, uh, really starting their first career mm. uh, in college. Some of them getting their masters and their doctorates. Um, ended up being a really powerful opportunity for us to come alongside them, but it also meant that we'd be saying goodbye to a lot of people right. uh, on a regular basis. But still, even with all of that, um, it was just such a huge part of our lives for yeah. so long mm. uh, that when it came to the time where we felt like God was releasing us from that, um, it was not an easy thing for us to hear. Well, and I can also say this, just having not worked closely with you, but you know, kind of under the same umbrella for yeah. a while, Like, I just think you are legitimately one of the most relational people that I know and I, I have always really appreciated the the kind of like fully submersive boots on the ground ministry that you've done and so I, I, that makes sense to me that then to leave that to move back to the suburbs there would be like an inevitable tearing like oh man we, I That's wasn't just pretty much what it felt like right I wasn't just the campus pastor here like I was doing life with these people yeah. and like this became like our entire ecosystem and I think that translated to now this global mm-hmm. role that you have is so exciting to me. And I want to ask you a little bit about that coming up in the next segment. But I want to just briefly, in the minute that we have left in this segment, what hope or encouragement would you give to the people who are in the city right now, who are grinding out and they're struggling? Mm -hmm. And the city is a different beast in a lot of ways. Pastors, congregants, whatever. Like, What what hope do you have for the city of Chicago? Well, first I would say we miss you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's a place that's in our heart. It's a place that we're passionate about. It's a place that we care about. Yeah. And we know how hard it is to be there in the city and do the mission that you're doing. Um, And secondly, I would say we need you. Mm. You know, the city, we believe the best stats that we have is that less than 5% are connected to a local church. Wow. Um, And we need lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of churches. Wow. Um, And so your work and your ministry that you're doing is important to the mission, and we're grateful for what you do. Uh, We have, New Thing has um, a small little movement. We call it the Chicago Land Movement that has about four networks of churches that are working together to plant churches together. If you're interested in getting connected to what we're doing, yeah. uh, we'd love to come alongside you and your leadership and your pastorship of your church to help start more churches across Chicagoland. So reach out to us at newthing.org. I love that, man. All right, well, coming up next with Eric Metcalf, we're going to talk about the global church and some of the areas that the church is growing the fastest uh, will most certainly surprise yes. you. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, get into his head and heart, and uh, ask him about his love for denim shirts. Come That's on. all coming up next here <laughs> on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. John is not excited that Brian's laughter was coming through. Are you okay over there, John? Are you mad at me? It's gonna... It was a bit off-putting, but I, I'll work with it. Laughter was Your off-putting. Laughter is off-putting. We're Man, talk about this. I didn't expect. I have a it. lot more off-putting <laughs> stuff than that. <laughs> Touche. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Just Google us; you can find us. We got to get down to business. Here we have Eric Metcalf in. The His House. Come on. I hate myself for saying that, and I'm so sorry. Um, Eric, if you've been listening to us for the last two segments, has done all sorts of really fascinating things, and it's been so cool, because I actually knew you even before I came on staff. I think you and I, there was something, yeah, fist bump, man. I don't know why, but something about you and the way that you see the world in ministry, I, I just found really intriguing. So now you're at this global scale, this global level, partnering, partnering, <laughs> partnership <laughs> yeah, with New Thing. You can learn more at newthing.org. But I want to learn a little bit more about, first off, where do you see the church at work um, globally in general? And how do you actually build these partnerships? Like, What is the actual nuts and bolts mm-hmm. process to do what you do? 
Yeah, I mean, as the uh, new thing, Global Associate Director, think assistant to Dwight Schrute, uh, <laughs> I get to work with Patrick O'Connell, um, Joe Wilson, and a team of people that help uh, catalyze movements uh, in a lot of different countries. We're yeah. working in 44 different countries now. Um, and primarily the main methodology that we have for that is looking for what we call a person of peace. Hmm. Uh, it comes out of Luke 10, where Jesus sends the 72 and encourages his disciples to go into homes that welcome them. Um, and so what we do is we look for the person of peace in any given country uh, that helps introduce us to the right relationship. Hmm. Um, and that right relationship really ends up oftentimes being the same person. Hmm. Um, they're an apostolic leader. And what we mean by that is that they have probably planted a church themselves. Um, they have either planted churches out of their church or hmm. they planted their own church. Um, and they have big dreams. They really believe that God's going to do more than they could ask or imagine. They're just not sure what that's going to look like. Right. And so the like-mindedness brings us together. Hmm. Uh, we'll do a Zoom call with them, a video call, um, three or four of those, to help make sure the relationship is right. Um, and then we'll share with them kind of the dream that we have. We'd love to be able to catalyze movements all over the world. And hmm. um, is, if it feels like God's kind of lining those planets up and we're you know connecting on that vision, uh, we end up doing what we call a Catalyst Community Event. Hmm. And we'll do three of those over a two-year span within that country. We help them build and raise up leaders. Wow. Uh, we help them build missional culture. And then we help them um, build into networks and movements yeah. that will prayerfully plant churches together. That's uh, awesome. And that's what we're doing globally right now. See, and that's always so encouraging to me. It's something that Brian and I have talked about a number of times on the show is that sometimes you can get so hyper-focused just with your thing, right? The the address that you're in charge of or the maybe even bigger, the denomination that you're a part of. And to hear stories globally about what God is doing in places that a lot of us can't even visualize, right? We've never been to. We don't know anyone over there. You have a story about Albania, I believe, right? Yeah. What, what is the story there? I think this is a, a helpful kind of frame of reference for people that are wondering, like, okay, how do I how do I better pay attention to what God is doing on the planet? Yeah, about five or six years ago, we were introduced to a gentleman named Altine uh, and also his friend Cadus. And these guys, man, they are church planters. They love the kingdom and mm. they just really wanted to see God do something exceptional in their country. Um, and if you're not familiar with Albania, uh, Albania is less than 1% evangelical Christian when we started working right. there. Um, and it's a, it's a high Muslim country. Um, it used to have a communist uh, rule over mm. from Russia. Uh, once the regime was broken down and the countries were divided up, uh, Albania is one of those countries became a, a free country. Mm -hmm. um, and over time, um, as these guys were working together to plant churches together and we were working with them through our Catalyst Community events, uh, we began to network these churches together. They began to plant churches together and they began to see exceptional results from that. Um, in the last five years, they've been able to plant uh, just over 60 churches together. Oh, my gosh. Um, and now they're over 2% evangelical Christian in that region. Um, there's been a number of networks that have birthed out of that. It's led us into the other Balkan nations that are there. Mm. We're working in Macedonia as well. Uh, we're beginning stuff in Montenegro, and we're just seeing, again, God do more than we can ask or imagine. It's been really That's exciting. wild, man. This might be a bit of a strange question, but you're getting to see all this stuff going on. Do you ever sit back and be like, man, like... <laughs> Like, this is a crazy ride. Like, yeah. do you ever look back over your life, or is it just too Literally. busy right now? Or do you look back and just be like, man, this is wild. And how do you just kind of process that? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, we say all the time that when we're on the road and we're speaking at these different experiences, we'll use the phrase sometimes. We'll say, hey, listen, there's nothing special about Eric Metcalf. <laughs> like, I'm just a knucklehead. <laughs> there's nothing special about me. And this is totally what God is doing. Hmm. And all we're doing is joining him in the mix. And we're just really grateful and thankful for what he's already been up to, what he's already prepared and uh, he's, you know, he's before us on all this stuff. Mm -hmm. so. That's amazing, man. Cool, man. I want to make sure to ask this question before we run out of time. How can someone 
who's listening, maybe they're familiar with New Thing, maybe they're not, maybe they've never heard of New Thing. How, how can we, anyone listening, either on air or on the podcast later, be praying for you guys, come alongside you, other ways that people, if they want, can support you financially or otherwise? Like What, what are just some of the avenues that uh, you would encourage people to consider? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, especially when it comes to money. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're continually raising resources to what we to do what we do. Uh, yeah. We have some sustainability models. We do have some ways that we are able to financially support what we're doing, but we also raise financial support for what we do. Mm. Um, a number of us on the team raise uh, their salaries, and we're really grateful for that, and we partner with them in that way as well. Um, but, you know, someone could come alongside of the, a Catalyst community event when we move into these countries. Um, we think on average it costs us about $12,000 to run a Catalyst community event. And in many of these countries, we'll, we pay for that. We sponsor that mm-hmm. as an organization because uh, a lot of the countries that we're working in are under-resourced um, or they're under-churched. And so right. they don't have the resources financially. They don't have the, as many churches to support right. such an idea. And so we're sponsoring those events. And so one could sponsor a Catalyst community event for twelve grand, or they can invest in a country for $36,000 as we launch uh, – launch a catalyst community in a, in a particular country and all that they can learn at newthing.org all of that is uh yep. navigatable somewhere on, navigatable. That, <laughs> on that web thing you know <laughs> the interwebs httpp colon slash slash all right the last minute we have left how, how can we be praying yep. either for you specifically your family new thing in general like what, what's one or two things that uh we can be praying for yeah i mean all the same stuff maybe others might say and this kind of responsibility just pray for safe travel safety yeah. as we work in these new countries um that god would continue to connect us with the right persons of peace the apostolic leaders um really they're the ones that are working on the ground building the relationships doing the hard labor of planting these churches raising the resources getting the leaders in place yeah uh hearing from god as they go and uh, just that God would continue to bring us those people that we can work mm-hmm. with and come alongside them in that way. And I'll keep praying that uh, you can adjust to the uh, life in the suburbs that I know is... That would be so- greatly appreciated. <laughs> Whoa. Please. I know that's been a real journey. Uh, you might need to fast for that one. <laughs> take some extra sacrifice well, to get that prayer answered. Lucky for you, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting right now, well, Eric <laughs> Well, I really uh, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your heart. I appreciate just the chance appreciate to see what God is doing in your life. It's been a lot of fun, man. You've been listening to Eric Metcalf here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.